Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Best Books of 2016. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, December 25th, 2016. When I have a little money, said the Renaissance humanist and Catholic priest Erasmus of Rotterdam, I buy books, and if I have any left, I buy food and clothes. It's that time of year for the most subjective of exercises, my ten favorite books of 2016. Truly, there's no accounting for personal taste. For some reason, as I've noted before, I read very little fiction. I can't explain why. Nonetheless, I still enjoy reviewing our reviews of the past 52 weeks. Please note that you can search Journey with Jesus's comprehensive index of 750 book reviews alphabetically by author or by 14 different subject categories like history, art, economics, and so on. And if you ever get stuck, just use the search button that you'll find in the top right corner of every Journey with Jesus page. If you go to the website, the blue hot link titles will take you to my full book review. Merry Christmas from Journey with Jesus and Happy Reading. Here are my top 10 books for 2016 in alphabetical order. First of all, Mary Beard, SPQR, A History of Ancient Rome, New York, Norton, 2015. This book is 606 pages. A Brisk Page-Turner Despite Its Length by a noted Cambridge classicist. I read this book before I walked the way of St. Francis last summer. Daniel Berrigan. The title of the book, Daniel Berrigan, Essential Writings. Selected and with an introduction by John Deere. Mary Knoll, New York, Orbis, 2009. This book is 285 pages. I circled back to this older book from 2009 after Daniel Berrigan died on April the 30th, 2016. Number three, Pope Francis. The title, The Name of God is Mercy, A Conversation with Andre Tomielli. New York, Random House, 2016, 151 pages. This is a book-length version of Pope Francis's Year of Jubilee theme on the idea of mercy. Number four, Margot Jefferson. The title, Negro Land, a memoir. New York, Pantheon Books, 2015. 248 pages. 
This book explores part of the African-American experience that we almost never hear about. Paul Kalanithi, When Breath Becomes Air, New York Random, 2016, 228 pages. This poignant memoir by a Stanford neurosurgeon has enjoyed a very long ride on many bestseller lists this year. Number six, David McCulloch. The title, The Wright Brothers. New York, Simon & Schuster, 2015, 320 pages. A pivotal moment in world history, as told by a two-time winner of the Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Award, and also a recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Number seven, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. The title, Not in God's Name, Confronting Religious Violence. New York, Shockin' Book, 2015, 305 pages. This is a helpful exploration of a horrible problem by the well-known British rabbi. Number eight, Sherry Turkle, Reclaiming Conversation, The Power of Talk in a Digital Age. New York Penguin Press, 2015, 436 pages. I found this book to be a much-needed pushback against techno-idealists. It's written by a professor at MIT. Number 9, J.D. Vance, Hillbilly Elegy, A Memoir of a Family and Culture in Crisis. New York, Harper, 2016, 264 pages. The Stanford historian Francis Fukuyama said this is the one book that he wishes our new president would read. And finally, again in alphabetical order, number 10, A.N. Wilson, The Book of the People, How to Read the Bible, New York, Harper, 2016, 212 pages. For those of us who are overly familiar with the Bible, and for whom it has become a tired text, or even for those who dismiss the Bible for all the wrong reasons, this book is a blast of fresh air. Top 10 Books of 2016 For books this week, I review a book that's not on the top 10 list, but nonetheless one that I commend with enthusiasm. The author is Dennis Covington. The title, Revelation, A Search for Faith in a Violent Religious World. New York, Little Brown, 2016. This book is 213 pages long. Dennis Covington's first memoir, Salvation on Sand Mountain, 
1995, was a finalist for the National Book Award for describing his experiences of the snake-handling spirituality of Christians in Appalachia. Covington, who has taught creative writing at Texas Tech University since 2003, was also a judge for the National Book Awards back in 2005. Like his first memoir, this newest one connects his own Christian journey in and out of faith with his family history, the current events and travels of his life, and the witnesses to faith that he sees in the people he meets. Many people have wondered why religious faith and horrific violence are so often connected in our world. Covington is more interested in the how. He travels to places of extremity to discover faith, not so much despite suffering and violence, but precisely in and because of that apparent absence of the presence of God. He quotes, for example, Kayla Mueller, the American aid worker who was abducted and then murdered by ISIS in 2015. Kayla Mueller said, Some people find God in church. Some people find God in nature. Some people find God in love. I find God in suffering. In Juarez, Mexico, for example, perhaps the most violent city in the world, Covington participates in an annual burning of an effigy of Judas and spends a week way out in the desert at what he calls a lunatic asylum called Albergue para Discapacitados. His takeaway? The road to true faith begins by loving the unloved. If only... I could do that, he says. He also circles back to his years growing up in Birmingham, Alabama during the civil rights years, his mother's cancer and nervous breakdown, his brother's lifelong mental illness, and his own alcoholism, bankruptcy, and psychiatric hospitalizations. If you're really looking for faith, someone challenged him on an airplane, just take care of your brother. Most of Revelation describes Covington's experiences on numerous trips to the chaotic and violent borderlands of Turkey and Syria, and in particular Antioch and Aleppo. There he experiences the sufferings of others, what he calls a definition of faith as clear as any in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Among those who have nothing and who have experienced just about the worst of everything, there too he finds faith. One grief-stricken father holding a headless little girl put it this way, We bring our case before God, before God alone, for mankind has failed us. Some of Covington's memoir reads like violence pornography. To his credit, he wonders if his explorations of human extremity suggest that he's nothing more than an aging narcissist. He feels the sting of an encounter with a journalist from the Los Angeles Times who said, 
He shook his head as though he had seen plenty of my kind before. Dilettantes, adrenaline junkies. At the end of his three-year search for faith in the midst of a genuine spiritual crisis, Covington is still not sure about God, but he's very sure that he's experienced the substance of faith in the lives of the suffering. Once again, the title of the book, Revelation, A Search for Faith in a Violent Religious World. The author is Dennis Covington. For movies this week, I review a title called The Other One, The Long, Strange Trip of Bob Weir, 2014. When most people think of the Grateful Dead, they think of the garrulous Jerry Garcia, 1942-1995. This music documentary film tells the story of the Dead's legendary rhythm guitarist, Bob Weir, born in 1947. Weir narrates his own story of how he was adopted at birth by a family in Atherton, California which, by the way, is one of the wealthiest zip codes in the world. Today we would say that Weir had, that, that Weir had undiagnosed dyslexia as a young boy, which led to doing poorly enough in school that he dropped out. When he was 16, that fateful moment when he met Jerry Garcia in Palo Alto and eventually co-founded a group called the Warlocks which later became The Grateful Dead. I found that Weir is rather cavalier, even nostalgic, about the serial womanizing and many years of hard drug abuse, and he even admits that he was Garcia's bagman who doled out the heroin. He reflects on the craziness and violence of the band's cult following, fame, and Garcia's untimely death at the age of 53. Late in life, he connected with his own biological parents, became a dedicated married man, and father to two daughters. As you would expect, the film incorporates lots of archival film footage and interviews with fellow bandmates, other musicians, his wife, sister, and daughter. I've led a kind of unusual life, says Weir, there's at least some introspection here, but mainly a perpetuation of the unique mythology of one of the most enduring bands in rock history. I watched this movie on Netflix streaming. Once again, the title, The Other One, The Long Strange Trip of Bob Weir. And since it's Christmas week, we've posted one of my favorite poems called Christmas by, by John Benjamin, who lived from 1906 to 1984. The bells of waiting advent ring, the tortoise stove is lit again, and lamp oil light across the night has caught the streaks of winter rain in many a stained glass window sheen from Crimson Lake to Hooker's Green. 
The holly in the windy hedge and round the manor house the yew will soon be stripped to deck the ledge, the altar, font, and arch, and pew, so that the villagers can say the church looks nice on Christmas Day. Provincial public houses blaze, corporation tram cars clang. On lighted tenements I gaze where paper decorations hang, and bunting in the red town hall says Merry Christmas to you all. And London shops on Christmas Eve are strung with silver bells and flowers, as hurrying clerks the city leave to pigeon-haunted classic towers. And marbled clouds go scudding by the many-steepled London sky. And girls in slacks remember Dad, and oafish louts remember Mum. And sleepless children's hearts are glad, and Christmas morning bells say come even to shining ones who dwell safe in the Dorchester Hotel. And is it true, this most tremendous tale of all, seen in a stained-glass window's hue, a baby in an ox's stall, the maker of the stars and sea become a child on earth for me? And is it true, for if it is, no loving fingers tying strings around those tissued fripperies, the sweet and silly Christmas things, bath salts and inexpensive scent, and hideous ties so kindly meant. No love that in a family dwells, no caroling in frosty air, nor all the steeple-shaking bells can with this single truth compare, that God was man in Palestine and lives today in bread and wine. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, December 25th, 2016. And once again, Merry Christmas from Journey with Jesus. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.